Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we are continuing to record this podcast remotely for the safety of our guests and our team. So, on with the show. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And this week, I'm joined by a woman who will already feel like a friend to so many of you, having kept us company on Loose Women and This Morning for over 20 years now, which makes her this morning's longest-serving presenter. Born in Singapore, she lived in five different countries before the age of 10 because of her father's work with the armed services, before the family eventually settled in Cornwall. Her television career happened almost by accident in regional television before she moved on to national shows and it's now very much a family business with her regularly fronting shows with her husband, Eamon Holmes, with whom she has an 18-year-old son called Jack. Three years ago, at the age of 57, she made a career lane change and launched her own fashion range with QVC, which she eats, sleeps and breathes such is her hands-on dedication. And let me tell you, it couldn't happen to a nicer person, as you're about to discover because we're dialing up Ruth Langsford. Ruth, it is a pleasure at last to bag you, arguably one of the busiest women on this pandemic in, in, infested planet. <laughs> well, I'm sorry it's taken me so long because we were hoping Eamon and I should do one together with you, weren't we? Still time, um, and don't then worry. It's quite hard. Well, yeah, there is still time. We can still do that because that's a different dynamic again, isn't it? Um, yes. So it's quite hard to get us pinned down together. So here I am. Even And I was late today, I'm sorry. I'm, ne- I'm not normally late. No, well, listen, I don't think you need to apologise. This morning, you were on this morning. Yeah. You've legged it home. Um, you're probably going to be on QVC later. I was on last night. On oh, last night. See, this is it. You're amazing. <laughs> and I have to tell the listeners that um, you and I both work at QVC and we both have our own ranges. And mm. the moment you found out that I had one, you did that wonderful thing that so many don't do. You contacted me and said, whatever you need to know, I'm there. Just call me anytime. And and you were wonderful. So thank you, Ruth. Oh, that thank is, you. That's, I know that you don't have even 20 minutes in your day some days I do I do and you do for friends and actually you know um I meant that because it's you know I didn't know QVC at all I mean I knew it as a viewer you know but I didn't know what it was like in the building it's a very very different thing that I'm doing and I have to admit I was nervous when I went there and also there are lots of presenters who've been there years they're really really good at what they do oh my god aren't they aren't they you know, anybody who's got some kind of snobbery against, you know, working on a shopping channel, I go, well, you know what, eat their dust because they are incredible. 
eat their Aren't dust. They? Eat oh, their I want dust. to put that on a t-shirt. That's great. Eat, eat their dust because they. I watch them go from show to show, different um, items. You know, they'll be one minute they're doing tech, then they're doing fashion, then they're doing bedding, then they're doing beauty. I mean, obviously, some of them specialise. So I was really nervous when I went there. Really nervous, and I wanted to, you know slide in without any drama and give them their position and, and things. So I, that's what I was saying to you was, you know, it is a very, very different place to the kind of normal TV studios that we work in. So give me a call if you want the lowdown, really. That's all. And to welcome you to the QVC family. You can sell a jacket in under three minutes and it's gone. Yeah, but do you know what that is, Kate? For me, I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not a natural salesperson. I've never, you know, I'd drop in a shop and things when I was younger. Um, but it's my passion for for my brand and for my clothes and my range and what I do. I love it so much. I didn't see it coming. It's like a, it's a, like a new career for me, you know, running alongside my, my TV career. Who'd have thought? I'm 60 years old. I'm designing. I've got my own range, which is doing really well. It is a dream come true, but it's something I didn't go looking for, which makes it even better for me. Um, you know, QVC approached me and said, could we talk? What about doing a, you know, a, a clothing range with us? And when I was talking about, you know, take your opportunity when it comes, I kind of teetered and went, me design clothes me and I thought wow and I went okay then and they have been fantastic they've supported me so well they let me do what I want within the remit of the business and things but they're very supportive it's a fantastic place to work it's a very positive place but I think the main thing that women like me are buying my clothes is that they can see my passion. They can see my um, thought processes. I'm very, very involved in my range, literally from the moment I think of something I want. I am hands-on right the way through that process. I choose zips. I choose fabrics. I look at colours. You know, I'm very, very um, fussy about what I want and very particular, and I see it right through. So I think there might have been at the start some people that thought, yeah, I bet, you know, Kiwi just – QVC just say do you like this dress and I go yeah and they put my label on it absolutely not the case and I think that comes through because when I do my shows and you've seen them I know everything about my range everything I do my homework you know I work really hard I throw myself as I always have done 100% if I take something on and commit to it I work really hard you know I am that presenter I read every brief I do my homework I will never turn up in the morning not having read the papers or and I'm the same with QVC you know and also I love it and if you love something you don't mind work it doesn't feel like hard work does it no not at all and and I think you and I have the same ethic I've had the the good uh the great pleasure actually of working with your husband mm. and um hosting shows like this morning with him um and he says, oh, my God, you're like, Ruth, you read the, all the briefs, you read the scripts, you do all yeah. the papers. And obviously, he's just charmed with this in, inherent um, kind of journalistic radar because he he does and he doesn't. I mean, like, he uses yeah. the script as a fallback plan. You, you, you're, you're like me. You follow the script and he doesn't. That's, that's, it's kind of quite a dance, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's not that I follow scripts so much because I, you know, I've worked for years with no autocues and things like that when we started, but I always read my briefs, you know, so I think that there's been a young researcher that spent three hours the night before, you know, writing yeah. you a brief about a guest, done all the research. And so to me, firstly, the, the, you know, the, you do them the courtesy of reading it. So Eamon is a fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. Um, and he just, he flicks, you know, he'll scan a, a guest brief. He never really reads scripts, um, but he'll scan a guest brief. But that's, he's quite exciting to work with, but also oh, dangerous. I so. so I, you know, and but I think we complement each other in that way is that he he is kind of, a maverick and he flies by the seat of his pants you're never sure where he's going with something I'll start to read something and he'll you know read it where it says my name so he doesn't stick to anything and I quite like that so he and I tend to be safer but also I rein him in sometimes sometimes he needs reining in so it, we're a bit we're like yin and yang really you know we feed off each other we both bring different 
qualities and skills and personality to the same job. And it's really difficult co-presenting. I mean, you know, you've co-presented with Eamon, lots of people. Co-presenting generally is, you know, it's a lovely experience, but it can be hard because you've got to allow that other person in. They might take an interview in a way that you weren't going to take it. And I've seen that with Eamon so many times because really he he likes to work (laughs) on his own. He likes to work on his own. So he, you know, he'll be taking, he'll make, have done the first two or three questions. And then I come in and I, I've, I take it, some, you know, I ask a question that he wouldn't have asked or wasn't going to ask. And I can palpably feel him go, oh, because, you know, he, he, it's like he almost wants to say, look, shush, I'm doing this. But he can't because, you know, I always say to him, it's a, you know, this is called co-presenting, Eamon. So it's a, it is a dance. It's quite, it's like, we all say it's like two people trying to drive a car. You know, it's like you're braking, they're accelerating. You know, so it's, it is quite the dance but it's a dance that I love and we've been doing it for years and you know I think we do enjoy as much as we you know sometimes get on each other's nerves or we people say bicker we don't really bicker we just disagree on things um I still love working with him yeah a producer might have written a great big long piece of script that he doesn't Eamon doesn't really stick to anyway and I he will always say you know you we you know Kate we've worked with people that they would literally stand and read that whole thing while you're standing next to them saying nothing trying to do a pretty smile to camera right we know them we've worked with them and you just think could you not have just shared that with me never able to do that in a million Eamon will just say that's very long cut that give Kate the next bit he's he's very generous like that he would never ever just leave somebody standing there while he you know pontificates and great big long pieces to camera so he's very generous he's very generous with his advice and I see it all the time that um you know young researchers runners young producers who all seek his advice and he always has time for people and I met somebody quite recently um I was doing another job who said Eamon won't remember me but it was way back I can't remember where you know GMTV days he won't remember me but I was a runner and I was really interested in getting into presenting and um and she said and I asked her for his advice and he talked to her for a bit and then he said no you you shouldn't go into presenting and I was so wounded he said you actually what you are you'd be the most fantastic producer and now she's something like senior producer can't remember the show so and she said to me and he was right actually so even though that might have been harsh for her to hear it he he just looked at her and thought no you haven't you know you can tell sometimes with people with presenting it's like you've just got to have something he said but I could see that she would be a fantastic producer and she is now and so you know he's he's very keen to pass on his knowledge yeah, um, and I like yeah. doing that. You know, it's like it's like we've all had someone, haven't we, that's been kind to us, that's helped us, that's guided us, that's picked us up when we've really ballsed something up, which we've all done, you know, oh that just God. dusts you down and says, it's all right, don't worry, it's not the end of the world. And you remember those people and you like to, to you know, pass that on, hopefully. Do you know what? It's like you've read the questions that I've written for you, Ruth, because you've just touched on all three of them. <laughs> I want to go right back to, to what we were discussing at the top, which is your moment of um, reinvention, I suppose, because as you've said, you're in your 60th year now. You are heading up and have been since your 57th year, your own fashion line. I would never have dreamt this, Kate. I I literally pinch myself sometimes because I love it so much. Um, And I didn't see it coming, as I said. Um, And who knew that I could do it? You know, when you find something, if you just said to me five years ago, you know what you should do? You should be designing clothes. And I'd be like, why? I'd have like no experience. Um, why? I like clothes, you know, but I've never been considered any kind of fashionista. You don't see me on the front of magazines or red carpets, you know, for my fashion. Um, So I think they just saw in me their customer. You know, I think they saw in me the women who watch me on this morning and watch me on Loose Women and watch Eamon and I together. They're the women who are buying my clothes. They watch me, they like me, they trust me, they like my style, which obviously isn't my style on this morning because it's all other brands and high street stuff, but they like what I wear and they've come with me. They've come with me on the journey, you know, and I'm so grateful. Um, And I think that's why it does well. And I think a certain amount of trust 
They have to trust you when you say, believe me, I know this vest top is a little bit more expensive than your average one, but believe me when I say it's really good quality fabric, it won't stretch, it won't go out of shape. They do believe me. So then you have to deliver. You know, it's like they're putting their trust. You have to be good for your to your word. Um, and so far, so good. What I think is 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 lovely and almost poetic about this is the fact that you are representing women who, as the years tick by, feel less and less visible. Mm. And you've almost flipped reverse that. And I think for the times that we're living, I mean, 2020 is the year that never stops taking. Um, and as a result of this pandemic, I think so many people will either be forced or inspired to start over. And that's kind of what you've done. At 57 years of age, you've created a whole new lane in which you now travel and succeed. Mm. So so what could others learn from you? And when else have you had that moment of sort of surprising yourself in life and learning about yourself and um, underestimating I think, yourself? Actually, I think... I think about when have you when have you had that moment before where somebody said, "Do you want to do this?" and you question yourself like, "Me, me, can I do that?" was when I got on to television because I was working behind the scenes in television. So I was working, gosh, how old am I now? I'm 60. Is this like 40 years ago? More. Um, I, w- I had a job behind the scenes at West Country Television in the West Country. So if people are listening there, they'll know how long ago that was because it's had many guises since then. <laughs> and I worked, I was working as a, in a job called a transmission assistant. Uh, so I was working in the main control room with the continuity presenters who, you know, we had a glass booth and the continuity presenters who say, coming up next on Westwood Television, da 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 um, And in those days, it was all in vision. And it was all live and stuff. So my was job it, then, Was it really? In yeah, vision? yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, listen, Kate, if you go on my go on my Instagram, because yesterday... I saw it! On Loose Women, they did the... They call it Life Before Loose. And they've done it with lots of the Loose Women, where they look at your life and career before people knew you on Loose Women. And they found the most hilarious clips. I literally sound like the Queen. Hello, you welcome did. to Westwood Television. Because we did speak, you know, it was the Queen's English. And actually, there were presenters that would get elocution lessons, you know, saying they knocked regional accents right out of you. Nobody wanted a regional accent. Now it's the completely opposite way. Um, so, yes, it was all terribly posh. And um, the men in those days used to wear, you know, Dickie Bowen DJ on a Saturday night. That's how it was. But anyway, I was doing the job. So I basically <laughs> gave them all their timings. And I say, OK, you know, you're going to have 10 seconds into Coronation Street. And then you pick up a second here or lose a second there I go oh actually it's only eight now so that was my job so I kind of knew how it all worked but I honestly swear to you I had no aspiration to be a presenter I wanted to be a floor manager I'd asked I'd applied for the next trainees job I'm very bossy as I'm sure my husband probably told you when he talked to you I'm very bossy very regimented (laughs) army kid organized yes I say not bossy organized exactly that and I thought I'd be a really good floor manager you know stand by quiet please everybody here we go five or three to one so I thought that's, that's, that's the one for me yeah that's the job for me and then on a Friday afternoon my boss who was the head of presentation so he was head of all the on-screen talent and the presentation team of which I was one member called me up to his office it was a Friday afternoon and I thought I took I remember taking my notepad and pen because I did shorthand and stuff uh, thinking he's going to ask me to do something so I went in hi David and he said oh now he said we need to find um, holiday cover, a continuity presenter who can cover holidays. I don't need another full-time one, but it's a real nightmare when people go on holiday. I just need someone that could do two weeks here, a week there, blah, blah, blah. And I honestly thought, Kate, he was going to say to me, so can you put an advert in the, you know, stage <laughs> magazine? Do you know anyone? Going, do you know anyone? <laughs> I thought he was going to dictate something to me. You know, can you put this, t- dictate this down, and, you know, we're looking for an experienced presenter, da 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 so I was like poised with my pen. I went, yes. And he said, so I wondered if you fancied having an audition. And it, I was like, you know when you look over your shoulder and go, sorry, someone just walked in behind me. I was like, <laughs> me? Me? And he was very calm and he went, yes, yes, you. I went, um, uh, I'm so flustered. I went, oh, I don't, um, I don't, uh, uh. And he said, listen, tell you what, it's like four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. He said, have a think about it over the weekend. Let me know on Monday. If you're interested, I'll set up an audition for you. I was completely blindsided. I came out of his office kind of, and I remember there was a phone booth within our building, like a pay phone. 
people remember those we have to put money in and I remember phoning my pet phoning home because I wasn't living at home then phoning home and my dad picked up the phone it could have been either my mum or my dad my dad picked up the phone and he said hello he used to call me Rooty Tooty hello Rooty Tooty you're right I said dad 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 guess what's just happened told him I said I don't know dad I don't know and he said darling he said do it do it. He said, what have you got to lose? He said, you've got a full-time job. And I was staff, you know, he said, you've got a job. He said, if you're rubbish, it'll just be embarrassing for a couple of days. And then everyone will forget, you've still got a job. He said, do it, darling. He said, you never know, you might be quite good. And that was my dad. And so I went in on the Monday and I went, actually, yes, I guess I actually, I would like an audition, please. And, and that was me. And you know, if my dad had said, Oh, love, I don't know. You know, you've got a nice job. Why would you why would you risk that? And da da da. So, you know, my dad was a go-getter. My dad was, you know, full of life and stuff. So I think he just went, grab it, grab that opportunity. So that was a moment similar, I suppose, to the QVC moment. Because without that moment, I wouldn't be doing this job. And then probably without this job, QVC wouldn't have asked me to come and do a clothing range. So I did have that you know, moment where I wavered. And actually the other one was Strictly. I absolutely love Strictly. Massive fan, watch every year, love it. Every year went, oh my God, I'd love to do that. Oh my God, I'd love to do Strictly. I want to do Strictly. I love to dance, da, da, da. And um, every time we had any of the judges on this morning or anything, I dropped the worst clanging hints. Like, <laughs> well, you know, if you're ever looking for anybody, you know, I'm right here. Nothing, nothing for years, nothing, nothing, really, nothing, no. And then the year that they offered, so I don't know, it was three years ago now, the year the offer came in, I was so busy. I had Blue Swimming, I had This Morning, I had to come. You would have been launching QVC three years ago. I think I was launching then. Anyway, yeah. it was probably the worst time they could have asked me. And it came in. I don't know, again, maybe it's a lack of confidence as well, where you hesitate. You know, even though you've gone, oh, I'd love to do that. I had that moment of hesitation. So where I had that moment of hesitation was when my dad went, go on, darling, do it, do it, go for it. I had that moment of hesitation. I came home to Eamon and I went, oh, guess what? Strictly have come, Strictly have asked me, Strictly. And he went, amazing. And I went, oh, yeah, but I did the but, right? I didn't even get as far as saying, but I'm so busy. And Jack was younger, obviously. I'm so, And he went, Ruth, if you don't take this now, they will probably never offer it to you again. He said, how many years have you been saying to me you'd love to do Strictly? He said, do not even think of saying no because you will regret it. And I thought, do you know what? He's so right. I really, I really will regret that. I know I will. I know I'll watch it and there'll be somebody else that would have been me and I'll be sitting at home watching it going, I bloody should have done that. Why didn't I do it? And he was absolutely right. So sometimes you just need someone to give you a little nudge, don't you? And um, and so, I, but once once someone's nudged me, then I grab it and I work really hard and I throw myself in. So everything I've done from when I had my first job on TV, I then learnt, I watched, I do my homework, you know, I watch people above me and go, and, and I had a fantastic friend, um, Ian, who's so no longer with us, sadly, who was a senior continuity presenter and he guided me and he was a bit like Eamon saying to that girl, no, no, you shouldn't be a presenter but what you should be as a producer, he would come in and go, darling, darling, you're wobbling your head a lot. Stop it. And I go, pardon? And he'd go, watch <laughs> it back. Watch it back. And it was all nervous things. You know, you don't even know yeah. you're doing. And then nobody else tells you. They probably just talk about it and go, God, isn't she annoying the way she wobbles her head all the time? He told me, come in and go, what's this? Look at you, look. And he'd run yeah. things back. He'd go, what's that? You're wobbling your head all over the place. I go, God, I am. <laughs> Why am I doing that? So he would, and he taught me, you know, he'd been doing it for years. So he saw the potential. So you need those people as well. And oh if, they can, God, if people can see you work hard, people will help you, won't they? Which I would yeah. do in this business too. Well, which I know you do do. Um, yeah, I do. And me. I like to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and I like to do but it. Do you know, there's a lovely thread there between two men who love you unconditionally, your dad and Eamon, who both, when you had those crossroad moments. Yeah just went you know you you sort yes. of said but what if I fall and they both came back and went but what if you fly yes yes isn't that isn't Absolutely. that isn't that love yeah isn't that just, that's that Completely. is love isn't it? and it's interesting when people say um you know that women often choose 
um, men who are very like their fathers if they've had a good father-daughter relationship. Yeah. And I think that for me, that's very true. Eamon is very like my dad. He's, he's very unlike my dad in lots of ways because my dad was a very practical man. I've got that gene, so I can change a plug, you know, unblock the hoover. Eamon's useless and things like that. But I mean in terms of the man he is, um, very loyal, very loving, family man, strong, you know, watching his family with a close eye, ready to catch you if you fall. That was yeah. my dad as well, full of fun. My dad was the best storyteller, full of fun, very tried everything. You know, he was in the army and, you know, the army, you get a lot of opportunities. They Evening classes and every, you know, they have sport. My dad was learned to glide. He could sail. He did pottery. And it's not until you're older that you look back, you know, I, my dad was just my dad to me and loved him. But I look back and go, God, my dad was really creative. He was very creative. He, mm -hmm. he, he did salmon fishing, he used to tie, make all his own flies for salmon fishing. And he was a very creative man. You know, Eamon is very creative in a different way. Eamon's a wordsmith, a journalist. You know, he's very creative in that way with TV and ideas. Um, and also a great family man. So my dad was a great family man, loved his girls, and he said he was really offended once where somebody said to him, weren't you disappointed you didn't have a boy? And he was really, yeah, he was really cross. So a bit of a said, feminist as well. Yes. And actually, when people talk about, you know, the new man, which they did, I don't know, however many years ago that, that expression came up. I remember thinking, well, if that's a new man, my dad was a new man years ago. My dad changed nappies. My dad taught my sister and I to sail, to fish, to do everything. And he did everything with us that he would have done with boys if he'd had boys. And I always yeah. remember on a Saturday, my dad would always take us out. That was like our thing, whatever it was, doing something, fishing, sailing, take us out to the park, whatever. And, you know, when you're an adult, you th think, oh, that was to get give my mum a break. You know, you realise now she had the kids yeah. during the week, but you don't <laughs> think that when you're young, do you? I just used to love Saturdays because it was Saturday with dad, whatever we did. It might have just been going to the local park or it might have been taking us fishing or you know I, I remember when we lived in Germany because we obviously were stationed all over the place it was thick thick snow and he walked us there was a local kind of food market and I just one of my lasting memories of childhood is being on my dad's shoulders you know he's a big guy crunching through the snow freezing going to this German market and he bought us those big Bratwurst, you know, big sausage hot dog things that they were oh, selling. So I can good. smell it now. I can smell it. <laughs> I felt happy. You only feel happy and safe when you're with your dad and the snow's mm. there. And then you get something warm and cozy and a hot chocolate and having those, but there's those moments where you feel really safe and happy. You don't think of that when you're that child. You think of it when you're older, don't you? Yeah. Of, of going back to that gorgeous moment. So, yeah, my dad, I think my dad was a new man, you know, and he's very protective of his family but let us fly so I will say that about Eamon I say Eamon's like a big lion that's lying under the tree scratching itself with one eye open you know you think <laughs> he's just lying you think he's asleep and you go look at him but he's not he's watching he's watching watching he's watching all of us and if anybody tries to hurt us my god be careful because he that lion will be up and at you you know Watch so he is watch him roar he's you know he'd be quiet and then when he when he needs to roar he'll roar and it's a lovely feeling you know for, and I see it with his children he you know he speaks to his children all the time he's always each one some you know someone's having a problem another one isn't or not problems but just he's got his eye on everybody checking in you're right everything okay do you need anything that's what he's and he like. gets he gets super emotional because Niall um one of his sons who I know works with you. Mm. Um, we were doing something together recently, and and Niall, well, again, just just every every um, facet of Eamon's personality that you love and adore, just his willingness to help, his mm. affability, his curiosity. Niall displays all of that, and I told Eamon yeah. that when we went for dinner, and and he got all teary. You know, yes, it was like, yes. It was like it was. I couldn't have I couldn't have paid a greater compliment to him. No, and it wasn't absolutely. about absolutely. And do you know when I first met him? Um, one of the things that I found most attractive is was how much he loved his children, how much he talked about his children. And, you know, that might have put some people off, to, you know, to think, all right, I don't want to hear about your kids. I found it very attractive that because you see people, um, I hate to say mostly men, that's unfair because I'm sure maybe some women do it. But in my world of friends and people I know, men can walk away 
And I've seen men walk away and really not look back at those children. And that would never happen with Eamon in a million years. And I res- I respected that, is that I wouldn't have found him attractive if he'd have gone, oh, yeah, don't worry about them. You know, they're in Ireland. Let's go and party. Yeah. He, he wasn't that man. And I would have had absolutely total disrespect for that if, that, if he was that man. And, um, you know, when we were first together, he went home every weekend to see the kids. You know, so it was... It was um, something you knew where you managed. were with him because yeah, they absolutely. were always number one. And he always number right one. There. And I remember being very, very nervous meeting them because I do remember thinking, if they don't like me, this is over, really. Yeah. You know, quite rightly so, because they're more important to him. Um, fortunately, they didn't like me and they still like me. <laughs> so we're all good. I think it's fair to say they love you, Ruth. As does oh, he. I mean, you. I know you've listened to the episode um, with Eamon mm. uh, on, on, on White Wine Question Time. So many, we had, I mean, that is one of our most downloaded episodes. And so many people came back. Wait till they hear this one. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll let you know what the figures are. (laughs) Oh, now the competition's on. I know. But but one of the things that I think really bowled people over was his, uh, the way he spoke about you. And I know he said that you had big teeth like a horse and he took the piss a bit. I have not You haven't, you've got, you've got, no, well, how am I like big. You've got a fabulous smile, um, Thank you. but but it is beautiful the way that he speaks about you and um, the the utmost respect that seeps out of every sentence that has the word Ruth in. Well, I think. Well, thank you. Even when he's slagging you off, by the way. Even, yes. But then actually, I think people realise that, Kate. You know, when they watch us on this morning, most people, you know, get the odd one that goes, oh, I thought Amy was really rude to you today. And he said you had horse's teeth. And I go, seriously? Can you not see how I'm laughing? He would never. You know what I mean? So most people get the banter, as I call it. You know, I love that Irish banter. When you see, if you get, if you ever get a chance, Kate, to be with Eamon and his brothers, take it. Because the banter and the crack is mighty. And they literally slag. <laughs> each other off like you wouldn't believe beyond and I find it hilarious because they all because you can tell they love each other and that's why yeah. you can do that and Amy yeah. would never want to intentionally embarrass me or be rude to me on, on the tv um so I you know I think with Eamon and I when you say that respect that works both ways. So when people ask you, you know, been together so many years, what's the secret to your marriage or relationship? I do think respect comes into it because if you know you can love somebody, like somebody, if you don't respect them, you know, if respect goes, I think that's, I think you're screwed. I really do because I would hate to, I would hate to think Aim would look at me and not respect me anymore, or vice versa. That would respect kill me. And trust, I think they're key, yeah. the key components. Yeah. So I think we respect each other, <clears throat> and also, I am very independent, which Eamon finds tricky or did at the start. I'm very independent, and um, he wasn't used to that. I don't think, and we're both quite feisty, you know. So I'm not one to back down from an argument. My dad was very feisty, so they say, you know choosing your father a man who's like your father yeah, and actually yeah. my mum my mum you know he's still alive and she was wonderful but my mum is a much more placid person than me and probably smarter in some ways because she just would do the yes yes dear and get, probably get her own way anyway Pick but I bells. can't do that yeah I've never been able to do that I've just have that I have that automatic response you know um and Eamon always says about like I'm a, a wild horse he said you're never quite sure didn't he say that on his... The, ho- the horse thing just continues, doesn't it? Yeah. He even proposed so the, to you at the races. I kind of, he did propose to me at the races and he thinks I've got horse teeth. No, but actually, when he said... The first time he ever said that to me, he said, my God, he said, you're like a, you're like a beautiful wild horse. He said, I'm never sure when I'm approaching. I go, that's beautiful. She's beautiful. I go, hello. And as I'm going to stroke your nose, I'm never sure if you're going to kick me, bite me or nuzzle my neck. <laughs> and I think that's probably true. You know, it's probably true. <laughs> that's lovely. I, he doesn't always get the response he wants from me. That's the thing, you know, and we all want we all want our own way in things, really, let's be honest. But um, we equally but want to be challenged, don't we? And I think that I you, think you, so. you two both, you're both interested in each other still. You know, when I hear him talk about you, even if he starts off taking the piss, <laughs> which he often does, that's normally the start, he will caveat it by saying... But honestly, Kate, I don't know how she does it. I mean, she's got so much on. She balances it all so well. And everyone loves Ruth. Everywhere you go, people will love her because 
they're right to. And he's so he can start off by going, ah, well, I've just had this conversation with Ruth. She's driving me mad. <laughs> she's a and witch. End, she's a witch. She is a witch, yeah. And then she's by the witch. end of it, it is like a poem of of just a, a list, a listicle of love. And um, and I love mm. that. I would love to be loved like you were loved by your husband. That would be a lovely thing. Oh, thank you. It is a lovely thing. I'm very lucky and I love him back equally. It's just he doesn't think I love him equally. He thinks he loves me more than I love him. He does, yes. And yeah, I find that <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. Do you, know why, do you know why I think that is? Is that I call Eamon my poet. You know, you're saying the, the things he says. I mean, he's really poetical, eloquent, very romantic. And that... I mean, literally took my breath away when I first met him. The things, you know, he would literally look me in the eye and say the most amazing things that I could probably only write down in a card. I wouldn't be able to, I've got that kind of English reserve, right? And so he would sometimes, you know, floor me with some amazing love phrase, you know, something he'd say to me, you're the most wonderful man, I love you so much. And I'd just go, Thank you. <laughs> didn't, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know how to respond. It used to make me a bit kind of like, oh, a bit flustered. So I, that's why I call him my poet, you know. And so I know he loves me because he tells me all the time. I think sometimes he hates me and I really annoy him. And there are days where he just thinks, I oh, wish I'd go away. And he says, I'm difficult to live with and da, da, da. But I know he loves me. But the thing is, I know I love him equally back. It's just he doesn't think, he thinks he loves me more. I just show mine in a different way. So he's very gushing and sentimental and poetic and verbal romantic. and gorgeous and romantic I show love in different ways you know so I cook and I look after him and I go why haven't you eaten that take that tablet and do this that's my way of loving him you know yeah so he does know I love him but he still maintains to this day and probably always will yeah yeah but I love you more and sometimes I go fine okay love me more then that's fine I'll take that <laughs> <laughs> I do love being in the company of both of you. I really do. It's um, it's couple goals. It really is, Ruth, because he he, you know, he recounted on the podcast the moment that he first truly locked eyes on you, and it was for him. It was instant, and and he's never stopped talking so so beautifully of you ever since. Even when he's slagging you off, I remember you say, "Oh, she's so bossy," and I say, "Yes, but what happens when you take the why off of bossy?" And then he'll go. You're right. She is the boss. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you say boss, you see, it is interesting, isn't it? Because, and particularly for women, you've probably found this in your career oh, when no. you started so young. It's like you wouldn't say a man is bossy. You know, you were 21, you were an editor of a magazine. And if you ask someone to do something, they go, she's so bossy. If that was a guy, they'd go, so dynamic, so young and dynamic and amazing. What Why is a woman? Yeah, one to watch. Why is like she's really bossy and annoying and oh god, you know. And I think women have had to fight that and still to some extent do, not as much obviously. Um, and it will keep changing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> 
next question to you is about it's about a language that I really hope becomes reframed in time. I wanted to talk to you about mistakes mm-hmm. um, because I, we learn from our mistakes and we know that we learn from our mistakes and yet we still remain utterly terrified of making mistakes. And I wanted to know what your greatest mistakes have been and, and the lessons that you've extracted from them so that we can all stop being Ooh. afraid of, of, of screwing up. That's a great question. It's good, isn't Maybe it? Because I think I think rather than messing up, we should talk about learning up and you know educating ourselves. Mistakes. From, you don't learn from success in the way you do from a, from no. something that's no. a failure. Well, I suppose one of my in terms of of career and what I do as a job. Um, when I first started, you know, don't forget, I was the backroom girl, did a little, there I was. So I was a continuity presenter. It turned out it was turned out to be a very good newsreader. So then I was whisked off into the newsroom to do the news on the six o'clock show. You know, so they do the six o'clock show. They go, first over to the news desk with Ruth Langsford. And then I, and then they... That's then quite they major, Ruth, by the way. Yeah, six it was major. Yeah, it was major. <laughs> and but I was just doing the news desk bit. And then they put me in as a co-presenter and had very very experienced older man in those days it was always an older man younger woman wasn't it always yeah Uh, he was lovely Ken McLeod if anyone listening knows him he was the most charming delightful man he was so kind to me uh, because he could see I was floundering (laughs) drowning a lot of the time (laughs) and and he kind of pulled me up um he was fantastic but they gave me my first interview um and it was a beauty queen I think who had I don't know, just come back from, she was runner-up to Miss World. I can't remember, but anyway, I did what I thought was quite good research, did my what I thought was quite good homework, and I had something like a four-minute interview, and I wrote four, quest, five questions. Anyway, it turned out that she was very monosyllabic, <laughs> that's all I could say. And <laughs> so my five... <laughs> oh, the terror of when you've, you go, so anyway, you've just come back from Mexico and being this world. Tell me, how did that feel when you're standing backstage, you're waiting for that result? Yeah, it was, nice. it was really quite scary. Nice. Right. Yeah. And they stop and you go, oh God, okay. And then you go into your next question. Well, that's what happened. And she used, I used up my five or six questions, which I thought was plenty gone in about a minute and a half well yeah because you still... always assume that each question's a minute don't you so if you've got yes. a three minute item I always write five yeah. questions just exactly. to be on the same side you know it probably yeah. I won't need the five it was exactly that I won't need the five because we do it in three well I needed ten probably <laughs> and but because I was inexperienced and what I also didn't understand was kind of the technicality of the cameras and everything so I had all three cameras at that point. So, you know, one wide shot, one on me, one on her. And so the main presenter, Ken, didn't have a camera at that point. So I was obviously, as I was winding up, they were going to take the camera, one of the cameras back to Ken, nice and gently. Repo, reposition or repo as we call it in the trade. Well, I just panicked and I bailed. So I (laughs) asked my, I asked my, you know, however many questions I'd written and I heard the PA in my ear go, three minutes or whatever, you know, that awful, like, I can't, I just thought I can't, or two minutes, like that means two minutes left. And I thought, I remember looking and I'd put my, I'd written my questions on a card, you know, kind of glance that you can glance down at. And I remember that final panic when they're going, and two minutes, I glanced down, I'd asked all the questions, I didn't have a single thought in my head. And I just went, thank you, Ken. (laughs) Back to you, Ken. And I remember this camera... I remember this camera kind of flying across the studio floor and oh my God, I got such a bollocking from the then editor of that show, but it was very good for me. Okay, so I remember he, I remember it was a big newsroom and at the end was his office with a glass window and it had Venetian blinds. So if he wanted privacy, he could pull the blinds, you know, but he didn't. So I, everyone could see it. and it was everyone was it was a, I always remember it was a Friday so everyone was kind of getting their bags and coats but gently earwigging because they all yeah. knew I got caught as I walked up back up from the studio he was like in here I was like oh, oh my god yeah and I said yes and he went what the hell happened there and I was like well I didn't know and he said you know, did you do any preparation? I was like, well, yes, I did, because I did, I did wrote the questions. He went, well, clearly not enough. Anyway, he bawled me out. And I remember thinking, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. You know that female thing as yeah. well in a man, oh, you know, a lot of, I was a lot of men. A lot Blinking of male the tears journeys. back. Literally, I could feel like someone mm. pricking the back of my eye with a pin, prick, 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 prick. And I, all the time I was like, 
don't cry, don't cry. Whatever you do, don't bloody cry, right? And I didn't. I could feel them pricking, pricking, pricking. And he bollocked me. How dare you come into my studio unprepared? And blah, blah. But it was a really good lesson. So, you know, that goes back to me saying, I do my homework. And I remember walking through the newsroom with people pretending that they hadn't seen that I just got balled out, you know, just like picking up their bits or averting their eyes. And I remember walking straight through the newsroom thinking, where is the nearest toilet I just need to get to the ladies toilet and I cried and cried and cried but actually it was probably a very good lesson for me so it was a big mistake I made but what I learned from that is do your homework and some you know do your homework I don't really write questions particularly now write notes you know yeah bullet points but whatever it is always have more than you think you need because you never know what's going to happen so and I always do my homework for everything in life actually generally you know not just my work but QVC I do my homework and actually it really irritates me when I work with people who don't you know to me and they're coming oh come in haven't even read the paper they haven't even listened to the news or whatever it is whatever you're doing those people you know I just think you really don't deserve this job if you can't even be bothered to put the work in so that was a, a mistake that actually was a good one really in the end well it, it continues to teach you now because that that lesson stayed with you it did it did and I think as well because I because I was pulled you know say the backroom girl made good and I always remember our managing director of television southwest whenever we went to events and things he was so proud of that that he used to actually introduce me as like <laughs> this is Ruth Ruth used to be you know in the back room so it, but actually it, it needed in a way Although that when we lost our franchise and it was really traumatic and we were all really scared, I was very scared, like, oh, my God, I have to move. And what do I do? It, I almost needed to get away from there, to get away from this is Ruth, the backroom girl made good and become this is Ruth. She's a TV presenter, you know, because so, yeah. I think a lot of us have that thing on our shoulder like I'm not really qualified for this I haven't really done any training for this I didn't go to university for this it was a big not a chip on my shoulder but that kind of worry imposter syndrome imposter syndrome and I think imposter syndrome for me just made me work harder I'd like no one's going to catch me out and say you're not qualified for this are you because I am going to do my homework so they can't catch me out so you know those things make you stronger they scare you at the time don't they um, but I think they, they make you stronger um, and make, you know, those are the lessons you learn. And I think we have to make mistakes, really, don't we? I remember I remember years ago before I was on TV when I was a transmission assistant, we used to have to take these big trays of tea around at certain times of the evening for all the <laughs> VT, VT telecine engineers. You know, it's a big, so we had our main control room and there was a sliding door and there was all those, you know, the VT machines, everything whirring and things. I loved it. But it was all men. And we had a, like a little kitchenette. And for some reason, that d- was deemed to be my job, woman. Mm-hmm. I made, and so I used to make like 12 mugs of tea at nine o'clock and 11 o'clock or something. And it was kind of all right. And I remember taking this tray round and a guy pinched my ass. And I literally, I put the tray down. I slammed his tea down so it slopped. And I said, you ever touch me again, I'll break your fucking arm. And I marched <laughs> out. Yes, Ruth. But then I was really scared. You know that thing I thought, it just came out. It just came out. And I slopped tea. I thought, bet that tea's gone into one of those bloody keyboards or some machines and it's broken. And I was really scared. And I was waiting. I went back into the control room. I didn't tell anybody what happened. Just came, slammed back into our control room. We sat down. And the whole evening I thought, that door's going to slide open in a minute and somebody's going to go, you, you know, how dare you speak to him? But I think he was probably so shocked I'd said it. Maybe he was used to doing the old feely bum bum and nobody saying anything, but he wasn't banking on me. So, you know, but I was a bit scared. I was a bit scared, but, you know, I didn't hear anything. So I thought maybe he didn't tell anyone because he didn't want anyone to know what I'd said to him, you know. Did you have moments where you thought, I'm going to go in and say this and I could possibly lose my job, but I'm going to do it anyway? Yeah, Yeah, and I I did lose my job. Did you? What, by standing up to somebody or something for yourself? Something that was asked of me was I felt immoral, unjust mm. and unfair and I didn't think they'd ask a man to do it so I told them interesting actually the words I used was go fuck yourself <laughs> good girl and you know you, you sometimes have to remember if you're in a position where you feel that you can be brave enough 
would I have these people as my friend? I spend eight, nine hours a day with these people. Mm. Would I choose to spend time with them? No, fine. Then look yeah. for somewhere else. It's interesting you say about, you know, people you like or wanting to be around them. Eamon and I are very similar. You know, we're very different in many ways. But it's really interesting how we like and dislike the same people more often than not. Yeah. So if we, yeah, well, Eamon loves you, you know. He's very, you know, uh, I he's, love he's him too. huge. No, but he is a huge, you know, he loves your work ethic, how strident you are, how, you know, he, he, how hard you've worked at what you do um, and your passion for things. But he and I, you know, if we go to an event, you know, we've been to some of those big red carpet swanky events, you know, they're very, we don't do them very often, but you go and you get all dressed up and things. Every single time we've been to one, we end up in the kebab shop on the way home. There's one in Fulham <laughs> Road in London, which is my favourite, called the Kebab Kid, because they never feed you at those things. You know, Kate. Oh, no. Never feed you. No. And so if you're they do, starving. there's always a risk of food poisoning. Yes. And also, you've been getting ready since like three o'clock in the afternoon, so you have to be there at six to be on camera at seven. So you haven't, you've maybe had lunch hours ago. You're bloody starving. So we always end up either in a drive through McDonald's or the kebab shop and the kebab <laughs> kids on the Fulham Road. And I always have to go in, in my, all my, I'm in my long frock, you know, and I go, hi, <laughs> two chicken kebabs and chips, please. And then the best part of the night is we literally get home and then we sit and slag everybody off. <laughs> Not no, because we, you know, we there are lots of people in this business we love and adore. Well, but, you know, we'll sit and all, you know, and we'll say, "Oh my God, what about so and so?" It's great. And also, if we go to anything—a party or a dinner party—it's really interesting. We we can go where we maybe don't know people that well, or we're meeting new people, or it's, you know, friends that are introducing us to friends. And we do all that. Oh yes, lovely. It's great to meet you. Bye. Great to meet you. Lovely. We get in the car, literally as we drive out of the drive. He'll go, what a tosser. And I go, oh, what, that guy in the blue, that guy totally. in the blue jumper. Totally couldn't stand him. So it's really interesting, isn't it, that we we tend to like, Eamon and I, like and dislike the same people. Now, my final question to you, Ruth, it's a saying, and I love this saying, that the saying is that what's meant for you will never pass you by. And I don't know if oh, it's true. My granny used to say that. I love to think that it's true. I want to believe in it. I like to believe in it. What, what do I going to say? What's meant, what's meant for you won't go by you, she used yes. to say. And so I wonder, because when I think of my TV career, that I said to you, I was a very directionless teenager. I did terribly in my exams. I've only got four O-levels and one of them is needlework, you know, so it's like really, <laughs> and, I, and I went to really, I'm really good at needlework. If you need anything made, Kate, I'm your girl. Right. But how funny, here I am designing clothes. Designing jewellery, you know? so, designing yes. clothes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but I that was a very directionless. <laughs> that paid off, exactly. Doing all that smocking for O-level. Um, but, I, but I wonder that when I look at my TV career, I never set out to be in TV. I didn't know anybody who worked in TV. I didn't see myself doing what I'm doing. But I met a woman in a pub in Cornwall where my parents lived. So I came from London. I went to boarding school and stuff in London. Ended up in this small fishing village in Cornwall, which was culture shock, believe me. And I met a woman in the pub who worked at Westwood Television. And we got chatting and she worked for the head of presentation. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. My mum's getting really cross with me because I can't focus. I don't know what I want to do. And I was doing a shorthand typing course because my mum said, do that. At least you can do some temping and earn some money. Mm. Like, you know, So that's what I was doing. And she said, do you know what? You should come in. I'll introduce you to the head of personnel. And you know, she said, there, you know, there might be some jobs there. You'd love it, she said. Now, did she, I don't know, did she see something? I mean, she was older than me. Did she go, she's a sparky kid. I, I like her. So if I hadn't have met her, right, so I did, I got the, you know, the come in and have a chat. And he said, yeah, you know, carry on doing a shorthand and typing because there might be something. And I used to ring him every week. I go, hello, Crispin. Just once, Ruth Langsford, is there anything? Any, any jobs this week? He go, no, not this week. How's the course going? Because he'd said to me, do your shorthand and typing and then come back to me. And then it all went from there. And then I remember going, and so even then I got the job in that television station. And the day they were showing me round, you know, said, this is this office and this is it. And then they took me into the main control room. 
And I, I remember walking in there, Kate, and thinking, I want to be in here. What, what's this? What, it, whatever this is, I want to be in here. Yeah. And you know, all the banks of monitors, and there was a big desk with lights, and people going, standby, Telecine, VT5, roll five, coming to you in five, four, three, two, one. Literally made my heart race. Still does so, for me now, though, doesn't yes, it? You? When I same. hear a live gallery, when yes, I start to count you in, in and out of a show or a yes. break. Although, exactly. You you probably work on open talk back, I would imagine. Yes, I love open yeah. talk back. I hate, I yeah. hate closed because I can't hear what's going on. I like to hear all the hubbub and noise and things. So so an open talk back, just so the listeners know, is is that we can hear when you work on open talk back, you either work open or switch. And open means that you can hear everything that's happening in the gallery. Um, so you could be in the middle of a very heartfelt conversation with somebody, mm. but what you're getting in your ear is, and to seven and to five, five, mm. and Ruth, we've got mm. 30 seconds on this. Okay, seven, give me a, yep, yeah, put it out. That's it. Great. Mm. And that is constant in the back of your, in, in the back of your yeah. head. So your head works since, I can always listen to yeah. two conversations now, but there is well, a Well, do you know what I say to that. people is, there is, I think there's lots of things in that is that, the practicality of that is I can hear a problem coming before it's arrived on air. So they've said, you know, right, 30 seconds, Ruth, and then we're going live to, you know, we've got our link up to California. And I'm talking going, really, that's very interesting, Dudler. And then you hear, where's California? Where is it? Where's, <laughs> where are they? And I think, oh, we're obviously not going to California in 30 seconds then. So I think of, an, you know, I think, right, ask another, another question. question. <laughs> I go, another question. So that's that thing. Don't only there have five go. questions. There you go. Mistake learnt. Mistake learnt. So then I ask another question. Meanwhile, I'm hearing this, pat, you know, everyone's like, where are I? Right, call them up. Ruth, hang on. We might not have California. And you're just nodding gently, aren't you? As in, yes, I've heard you. It's fine. I'll ask another question. So that's why I like open talk back. I still actually can zone out the things that aren't relevant to me. So yeah, when you're weird, saying, isn't it? it's really weird. And so it's just how it happens. I can be doing an interview and it could be a very sensitive one. But so all the camera shots, you know, like come on two, close up on three. I kind of, they're in the background. But the minute I hear you know, 30 seconds or Ruth thing or something or a problem, it's like I switch back in again. But I always say to people, people say to me about, um, I couldn't do that. I mean, how can you have that? Somebody in your ear. And I say, particularly to my girlfriends, to women, you know, if you're at a dinner party or a dinner or something and you've been split up from your partner, or your husband, and he's down the end of the table and he's talking to a woman or something and you're up this end talking to a man going, so how long have you been an accountant? Really? Absolutely. So, and I can hear Eamon down the other end going, you know, chat, chat and this, yeah, that and laugh, you laugh. Tuning into and it. Literally, I'm listening to this man. I'm giving him my full eye contact attention while he's telling me why he wanted to be an accountant. Meanwhile, my other ear is totally tuned into Eamon and he could never understand that we'd get in the car and I'd go, oh, well, oh, I see you were telling Missy down there about your something. You go, how did you hear that? <laughs> and also, if you work in an office, you know, if you're in an office and you're on the phone to somebody and then somebody comes up to you and goes, oh, don't forget to ask them. You can listen to two. So on yeah. the phone, you're going, yes, did you? Absolutely, yes, we'll get that order to you as soon as possible. And you're looking at your colleague or mate, aren't you, going, what? You can do it. People think they can't do it. It takes practice, but I, I quite like... And then the third thing of that is the excitement and the buzz, which I've never lost. From that young girl, from that young girl being taken into that control room, I felt like I was on Starship Enterprise. Yeah. I, I've never lost that. Like you said, I've never lost... So I also like open talkback because I can hear all the standby telecine roll five dun, 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 dun. yeah I mean telecine I'm showing my age now but you know you really whatever are it is now. Read that for a while. <laughs> really show my age <laughs> so I think <laughs> I think I'm very so that might might that's a very long very long answer to do you think you know if something's meant for you it won't go by you perhaps mm. this wasn't meant to go by me perhaps you know, being this directionless teenager, meeting the woman in a pub who worked at the local TV station led it's me here. Yeah. It's meant, maybe it's meant to be. And maybe doing my needlework O-level and getting an A was, yeah. hello, hello, fashion designer. I try to explain that to my son now is that some things will not make sense right now, but one day they might and they'll make a whole lot yeah. more than sense. They'll be really meaningful. Oh, it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's because your son's younger than than Jack. Yeah, well, Jack's just yeah, and Jack's, Jack's eighteen. Just gone to uni, yeah. Jenny's just gone to uni, so I've done. I've got the whole emptiness thing going on. Literally bereft. I'm all right now. I'm all right now. So it's three weeks, but literally, Kate, when he went, I felt like I'd had my heart ripped out. It was awful. Well, 
Uh, yeah, because I know Jenny Powell's been going through exactly the same because her Connie's oh. left, and also Lucy yeah. Alexander because yeah. his titties off. Yeah, yeah. and it is. And so I, I knew it was coming. You know, I and I am really excited for him. So I was just going to say all this excitement we were talking about when we were young and our first jobs. I look at Jack now and I see that all ahead of him. You know, and it's really exciting. And you always hope that you can pass these th- this your advice on don't you or that they'll mm. even bother asking you because you never think your parents are very interesting or that they've done anything really um you know that that they need to know about it's only when I was takes me back to the start of this you know with my dad it's only when you're an adult you look back at your parents and go gosh they were supportive my mm. goodness my mom was a strong woman you yeah. know and so with Jack now it's almost like he doesn't want to have he doesn't want any advice really he's flying off you know but I like to think, you know, sometimes he'll turn around and ask, you know, our advice. And so I think all all our experiences in life, the downs particularly, actually, because we can all, you know, it's lovely to tell them all the success stories, but the things, yeah. you know, the mistakes, Struggle. the downs, the lows, the not having any work, the worried about paying the mortgage, you know, whatever, love, breakups, you know, you yeah. hope we've all experienced them that you can help them when they've turned to you with a problem. So this is another chapter again. So I've got all these chapters, you know, the new QVC chapter, turning 60, the empty nest chapter and letting Jack fly. But also I looking forward to this chapter for Eamon and I, you know, so I go, so many people have that awful realisation of empty nest where they, the child has gone or the children have gone and then they go, I don't really like my husband or wife. I don't, yeah. what my, you know, that is so horrible. You see it all yeah. the time. All the time. All the time. And I get it because we're so wrapped up in our children and you have to, you have to invest in your relationship as well as your children mm-hmm. because one day they'll be gone and you never think they will, but one day they will be gone and it will be gone like that. I look at Jack, I can literally, Kate, remember taking him to school. I can remember how he smelt on that day. I can see the colour of his hair, his little uniform, his eyes that were a bit frightened because we'd moved to a new area. We didn't know anybody. Literally like it was yesterday. And now he's gone. But oh. fortunately, yeah, fortunately. <laughs> tell me that. I, I know, it's awful. I tell you, when it happens, phone me or I'll phone you. I'll you know, text me, oh, whatever. Oh, it's already going so quick, Ruth. It's like now suddenly because, he doesn't smell of yeah. baby, he smells of Lynx Africa. Yes, yes. You know, oh, we're God. on that Jack, day. Jack was like a Lynx shop. He's we've moved up. Venice. He's moved up to expensive stuff now. But Jack's <laughs> like a Lynx. You walked in, it was like boots. It's like yeah. Lynx everything. Well, Ruth, one thing I can tell you is that I think we might have talked more on our podcast than I did with Eamon on his. Amazing, because he can talk, that husband of mine. I think that, you know, if, in terms of competition, you might have won. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know you I know you're gonna love that and um, I'm gonna release you back into our very limited pandemic lives um so you can go and spend a whole weekend at home and uh, seeing only the people that you live with which would be Eamon which fortunately for me I'm I'm happy to do that because it's quite nice having Eamon's company yeah well maybe I'll FaceTime you when I get really bored of my own um but thank you, thank you. Have a great weekend. Continued success, my friend, in all that you do. Keep right climbing back. those mountains. I, I will, will be there. Keep you up behind me. Making sure that we don't die on the hill, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ruth. Bye, love. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this week. And if you've enjoyed this episode and want to tune in and spend an hour in the company of Ruth's husband, Eamon, his episode aired last year and trust me it's a corker why not have a rummage around in our back catalogue as always this show is produced by me Kate Thornton with Richard Hatherall for Yahoo UK editing is by Callum Goddard Mucklow and our music is by Andy Bell whose brilliant new solo album is out and available now on iTunes and Spotify we'll be back next week in the meantime if you do have the time or the inclination to rate and review us we'd love it if you did It really does help other people to discover the show. Until next week, stay safe and do as we always try to do and drink responsibly. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.